Align Your Practice podcast with Dr. Cliff Fisher, where your best practice and life awaits you. Are you tired of running a practice on your own? We want to come alongside you with experts to help you create your dream practice and your dream life. Here is your host. All right, Tribe, welcome back to Align Your Practice with Dr. Cliff and Dr. Joe, brought to you by Align Life, where we want to give you the tools to find and create your Align Life. Um, we're kind of diving in. We've been talking about time management today, I think is one of the hardest things and the things I've heard the most, especially as a dating teenager, like I've heard no a lot, um, but I never <laughs> said no enough. <laughs> so Joe, what do you think? Yeah. So we're going to break down uh, <laughs> the cycle is about utilizing your time to uh, honor your, your core values in life, right? That's what we're going over. Last time we did time management is a lie. You can't manage or stop or control time. But we are trying to, in a sense, manage our utilization or how we value our time and what we do with that limited time. So today is about outcomes. This is how to create more. Last time was about productivity. But tell me, Cliff, you know, we've read so much on productivity, how to do your schedule, which we talked about last time. How to, how to uh, manage your day. But very productive people may not be creating good outcomes. So I want to yeah. separate the conversation of more and more and more and more productivity to creating better outcomes. And it's not just working more, as we said last time. Busy is not is lazy. Busy is weakness. Busy is not really the mindset you want to dive in that we grew up in, right? That's what we talked yeah. about last time. So it's about outcomes. Um, so you had, you had that phrase about entrepreneurs. Let's, let's dive into that. I think that's a good start. All right. Entrepreneurs, I learned this from uh, Dr. Franson, was like, entrepreneurs don't drown, they starve. And so we don't, or sorry, entrepreneurs drown, not starve. So we don't, there's not a lack of opportunity. There's so much opportunity. And I feel like sometimes I have FOMO. I have this fear of missing out that I'll start taking on too many things that are out of alignment with either my core values or my goals for that year. And so I just, I see that a lot. And you were telling me like doctors, you know, they're not doing well. So then they try to bring on something else that they can't do well at. So I love that. Like that was such a great example. Yeah. So when we say entrepreneurs drown, they drown from doing too much. So like the day before an entrepreneur goes bankrupt, they're not starving. They're not sitting alone, not doing anything. Entrepreneurs do a lot. They, they work. <laughs> they're, they're very busy but they drown because they're overcommitted to too many things are not producing outcome. So what I was saying with Kairos is I see Kairos that are, you know, they're not making it. So they add laser and decompression, nutrition, and, and maybe aesthetics and like nine things because they're thinking more service is going to create outcome. And really more is not better an outcome. So I think we can start breaking this down by going to the, the one of the, uh, the, found, uh, the founding fathers of productivity and outcome, Covey, and talking about, you know, the concept of rocks that is embraced by the EOS group. But how did that all start? So the, the video that you can look at, that uh, Covey, how he talked about rocks, he sat in front of a room and he had a big glass container on a table and he had a bunch of big rocks, bunch of small rocks, a bunch of pebbles, bunch of sand and water. And he had two glass jars. So he says, there's one way we can do this is we can put all the sand in first. So visualize this if you may know this already, but it's still a good visual. If you haven't heard it, definitely a good lesson. So you put all the sand in first. It sits at the bottom. Then you put all the pebbles in. Then you put the smaller rocks. 
then you uh, put the water, and then you try to put the big rocks in, and only one big rock fits the three that you had. You can't get them in. So you go the other way, you put the three big rocks in the other jar, then you put the smaller rocks, and they they work around the big rocks and fall in little crevices and holes. Then you put the, the, the uh, pebbles in, and they go all around the small rocks. Then you put the sand in, and they trickle all around everything, and then you put the water on top, and everything fits in. So the purpose is the big rocks are the big rocks in your life. So whether it be your family, your, your outcome at work, your productivity, your health, those are the big rocks. And the small rocks may be certain meetings, and the sand may be your emails and social media. So, um, and then adversity may be the water, and it's like you want to put it in in that basis. I, did, that, did I explain that well, Cliff? That's, the, that's kind of the overall mindset. Yeah, no, I think, and it's such a huge thing because I think what we do is we let things that are less important get in the way of things that are more important. And we do it unconsciously rather than consciously because we're just trying to go around and we're just going through life. We're not being intentional with our life. And so as you were talking, I was writing some notes down, like we have four resources. We have time, money, energy, and focus. And really this part of like time management or time utilization is really about focus and energy like we have we have a limited amount of energy and we have a limited amount of focus and so how do we utilize it and, and the the term i i like that i heard years ago probably two decades ago is the concept of uh units of attention mm. and it's an arbitrary thought but it makes complete sense to me that you only have so many units of attention you have bound attention and unbound attention Bound attention are things that you remember to get up and brush your teeth, a ritual. Rituals are bound. It's just, it's thought that's kind of held. Unbound attention is creative thought, where you can think and, and create and do. So the, the other part of bound attention is all the tasks that you have to do that day. All the unfinished projects that you have that are still in your, you think you're not thinking about it. And I brought up the example, I took a Tony Robbins course and they talked about, I think that's where I may have heard this uh, concept. It may have been Tony Robbins, but he had said, write down a list of all the things you didn't do or that are in your mind right now. And I had like three or four projects. I was in chiropractic school at the time. I had like 60 magazines that I wanted to read. <laughs> and I'd read one and then I get three more and I just couldn't keep up, but I, I felt guilty if I didn't read them all. So they were on my desk and then, my motorcycle battery was dead for the last two months and I never charged it. So I never wrote it. And there was some other issue. I forgot what it was. And he's like, just, if you're not going to do it, get rid of it, take it off the list, just get rid of it. So he, and he made a list. People usually have five projects in their garage, two projects in their basement, things in your storage room, all this stuff you're going to do. So that day I threw out all 60 magazines, cleared it off my desk. It freed Every time I walked by, I had guilt that I didn't read these magazines. I went outside, charged a motorcycle, and whatever the third thing is, I fixed it. I did all that in like 25, 30 minutes. And it's odd that we have these unfinished projects that we just allow to take space and attention in our mind, whether it's conscious or subconscious, and we need to free that up so we have creative thought. So I, I like that in this conversation, um, Cliff, because freeing up that attention is going to allow you to focus on the big rocks that we talked about. Absolutely. And I, as you're talking, I'm looking over at my desk and I'm like, that's literally like 20 minutes of work that I walk by and I think about for, I don't know how many hours, uh, ultimately, 
that if I just cleaned up that little bit of a mess that I would have clarity. And as soon as I do my to-do list, like my like, cool, I need to do this, this, and this, I clean all that stuff up. Like I can't tell you how much weight feels like it's lifted off of my shoulders. It's so true. And it's just a conscious awareness. We all know it, but when someone else questions you on it, you'll make a list of 10 things that you have open. So what I urge you to do, if you want to scale the business, if you want to take it to the next level, take a moment this weekend and make a list of all the unfinished projects. And then what you're going to do with those, you take about a half of them and don't finish them. Cross them <laughs> off. Cross them, literally cross them off so your brain knows they're done. It's over. It's so refreshing. When I threw out those 60 magazines, it's not that I never read a health magazine again. It was just I couldn't read all the ones I didn't read. So it's okay. You don't need. I'm an input guy like you, Cliff. So every piece of data I have to consume. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so it's grit or quit again. Like we're talking about like this, you know, two two uh, episodes ago where it's like, do we grit or do we quit? And you're 100% right. And, you know, kind of as we're getting ready for this, it's like the couple of things is like really saying no to certain things. I think that's the critical thing because I do have that FOMO. And so Warren Buffett said it said the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. And so, yeah, it matches the uh, the story we told last time about the uh, poker players. They fold, I think it was seventy or eighty percent of the time, on the before they take a hit on the you know the first hand. So that's a lesson learned. So if you want to scale, make the list, cross off half the other half, schedule it, get it done. If you don't have it done in thirty days to ninety days max, then cross those off and free your mind for opportunity. Because what I feel is. We always, as entrepreneurs, like we say, starving, we just keep adding and adding and adding and adding. We, we don't stop. So I feel we need to create space, create a vacuum for opportunity by compressing your meetings, compressing everything, your, 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 um, your production time, your workouts, everything compressed to free up space for creative thought for opportunities in your life. You don't just want to keep adding more and more because that's not going to gain the leverage that you want uh, to create more outcome that you want in life. And outcomes should be measurable. Like, what are you looking to create? Document it. Free up the space. Create focus, like you said. Focus your energy, your attention, uh, your money, your, your investments into things that uh, are going to create the outcome you're looking for in life. Yeah, I think it's really easy, especially as we went through this whole like what I saw with practices um, as we went through COVID was like people either got distracted or focused. The people who got distracted, their practices didn't do very well. The people who were focused and on purpose and on mission, their practices grew faster than they had any other year before that. Yes, yeah, so true because they had to focus and, and they created a great outcome. And it was just very monomaniacal. I am going to focus on this and that's it because <laughs> they, uh, they saw adversity. Sometimes adversity is a great tool to use to free up a lot of the, the, uh, the things that aren't important in life. Uh, adversity guides focus, actually. So it's, it's interesting. So embrace adversity uh, and, and get that neurological uh, focus that you have a lot of these synapses of all these other things that are not meaningful or productive. To me, one of the meaningful books I read was Essentialism. They talked about 80% of what we do has... Uh, no real value in your life. 
So like 80% of your meetings, 80% of your work, 80% of your thoughts, 80%. I'm like, and I'm like, come on, really? And after the end of the book, I'm like, you know what? I got to say, I I would say either close or he's right on. I don't know, but it was (laughs) dissecting my meetings or my week or my thoughts throughout the week. And it's like, uh, essentialism is such a great, great tool. And it's different than you've heard of uh, minimalism. And it's a, it's a good mindset for like an entrepreneur to think of essentialism. Minimalism is like, I have one pair of pants, one shirt, and I put in a backpack and I can live. <laughs> minimalism, like I have basically almost nothing. I don't own anything. And I, I live as a minimalist and I don't need to make a lot of money. I need to spend a lot of money. Essentialism means you may have one Lamborghini. That's okay. You may have 10 $300 shirts, $500 shirts, but you don't have 60. You don't have 90 pairs of jeans. You don't have dressers full. You, you could have high quality, awesome things, uh, but it's it's a, just the essentials. <laughs> it's just what you need. Yeah. And that, that helps the entrepreneur in your business. You just have so many deliverables, just what's essential. It doesn't mean you can't be ultra successful. So I really embrace the essentialism versus uh, the minimalism personally, uh, the mindset of that. But I don't know. My head's still stuck on that thing of like not adding things. And, you know, when, you know, you're not doing well, it's like do well at that or decide to get on, get, you know, either commit or don't commit. Like if that's the thing you want to do, if you want to be a chiropractor and you want to do that, do the adjusting part first before you start adding in all these other things. Like what's the psychology behind that? Do you think like why, when, when a human is struggling, let's say chiropractor struggling in practice, why is it add more things or you as a business person and you, you, you grab a new thing? Why do you think, I mean, I have a, I have a hypothesis in my mind. Why do you grab new stuff? I think it's almost that like you're falling, like you feel like you're failing. So you're just kind of grabbing, like, I feel like I'm grabbing it. Like, Oh, maybe this will be the thing. Maybe it's this a thing. And I think like, for me, it's like, we think all the success is on the outside of us versus the inside. And so we start grabbing things on the outside, like, oh, maybe this shiny object, or maybe this shiny object versus like, what's broken inside of me? And how can I deliver value in a different way is what my thought process is. Yeah. So I, I think it's, um, it's paranoia and fear that makes us grab anything as if we're falling. Like you said, we're just like, ah, you're <laughs> grabbing new things. But really, we're trying to convert the fear, the cortisol the adrenaline, we're looking for some dopamine. We're looking for like uh, serotonin or, or oxytocin. We're looking at these comfort hormones, like the neurotransmitters that give us comfort. So a new project, what does it do? Wow, you get, you get that warm feeling of like it's exciting and it gives our brain that peace. Although we're causing more destruction, just like the bear hug adjustment from behind that your neighbor can do for you and you release all these endorphins. You're like, oh, my God, it feels so great. It's the same thing. Our brain is starving. Why do we eat sugar? Not because we're hungry. It's because we're looking at the, uh, the rush of neurotransmitter release that it makes our brain feel good. So whether you overeat sugar or you get the bear hug adjustment or whether you add six more projects this week that are new and you had six last week, it gives you that in, uh, little bit of a dopamine rush where you feel good in the brain. That's what I do is I like new projects, stimulates, yeah. mentally stimulates me, but it's destructive. And that's the thing we fight as entrepreneurs is we're looking for stimulation. And what I learned that I have to change my stimulation from newness to um, 
creation of revenue, profit, using the money to donate, to help others, to help my team, to help the mission, to help my family, to help whatever it is. And I look at the fruit of that in a different way versus the opportunity of new things. And it was years to, for me to actually learn that. But I realized where it's the same thing as a nutritionist. I understand the physiology of why we eat sugar. Um, it's not because we're hungry. <laughs> it's because the brain. Same thing as an entrepreneur. So a human eating sugar and getting fat is an entrepreneur doing more tasks and going broke. It's the same thing. Man. Holy cow. Like just rewind that last like two, three minutes and listen to that again. I'm like writing all these notes down. Like, you know, it's really the discipline of life. Like I think the new things are like, Oh, it's like new relationships versus the discipline and the depth you can create in a long-term relationship. And then grit or quit. <laughs> a lot of time on that. Cause you really had me taking notes last time. I'm like, wait, <laughs> change here. I gotta, I gotta show up with some meat here. <laughs> Holy cow. He definitely brought it. So I think in that, like, I think it's again, back to the grit or quit. Like, you know, what are the three or four things that are most important in your life? Make that list, like spend that time. This is that prep time, that planning time. And, you know, because so often, you know, we just like being busy to be busy, but it's just like wheel spin. Like we're just using up resources to go nowhere. And so look at that grit or quit. Like I would create a grit or quit list and, you know, mark all those things down, whatever you're, you're That's gonna... good. I've got to commit to these three and I'm not letting go right now because you asked this, it, it no longer serves me. Well, it's not true. I haven't succeeded yet, but it's not that it doesn't serve me. The quit is, this isn't meaningful. It's not going to do anything for me. I don't want to do it just to do it. I like that. So you can look at what am I committing to? What am I quitting this week? Yeah. I think I'm going to do that. Write down what it is. Our good friend, Joe Clarino was talking about uh, deals that he had. One was his, uh, he was trying to buy a garage to do his work. <laughs> he had a, an opportunity and it wasn't, it was good, but it wasn't great that he would have took it three years ago in a second. He's like, you know what? The terms just aren't good. So he let it go. Another opportunity didn't work out. Then he finally got it and he's winning and so happy. But it's not like you give up. It's that you just really refine on what you'll accept. Yeah. It's not you say quit every, or say no to everything. It's it's no to that arrangement or no to that framework or no to that style or that opportunity with that person or that business or that time. You know what I mean? So, cause it is deflating when you say no, like it's, it's hard, <laughs> right? Yeah. Let these things go. Isn't it? Oh you? yeah. You like FOMO, you fear of missing out. You're like, Oh, what am I going to miss out on if I say no? But man, once we say yes, we are literally saying no to a thousand other things. Another good book trade off. It will teach you if you say yes, you're just saying no, like Cliff just said, to so many other things. You're just saying no to so many other things. So realize that yes means no anyway. <laughs> Whether yeah. you say it or not, you're saying no to other things. And that's a great way of looking at it. It's a great way of looking at it. Oh, so that's the hard easy. So do you want to do, you know, a lot of times it's like easier to say yes, like, yeah, 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 versus the hard is to say no. No, I can't do that. I can't commit to that. I don't have that bandwidth. And so really the courage to do that will make your yeses more powerful. And another way of doing it that I, I learned um, years ago was um, if you can't say no, say, you know what, Cliff, I, I just can't say yes right now. 
it's the same thing, obviously. <laughs> but yeah. some people just can't say, Cliff, no, I can't do that. Cliff, I can't say, I can't say yes right now. It's a softer way of approach. It gives <laughs> some time to think and maybe 90 days, you know, let's revisit this. But I, can't, I unfortunately can't say yes right now, but let's revisit in 90 days. And that gives you a time to think. Because the other thing is our timing of saying yes. Uh, if Cliff says, Joe, would you like to do this? Yes. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you don't even say, well, let me uh, let me think about that and let's discuss it. It's yes. Uh, and that's the problem is the quick yes, too. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we when we miss out too, like when we say yes and then we miss out on the things like we don't plan or it interferes or we're not able to like fulfill the commitments that we previously made. I think that's the hardest part um, when we say yes, like quickly like that, or we don't consciously process what's going on. So here's what I'd recommend if you're listening right now to do. Someone comes up with an opportunity and the first thing you say is, I love that thought. Let me write down a bunch of questions and let's visit that opportunity together. Then it gives you time to write the questions for yourself and for whatever the opportunity is in your life. Opportunity to buy a new house, opportunity for a business, a venture, a JV opportunity, a new service in your office. You're going to bring in decompression or nutrition or something. Let me get a list of questions because you never know the questions. You can't say yes yet. So first ask the questions and then get the answers and then say, let me make a plan and let me forecast some outcomes and see if it's reasonable. And then kind of decide what kind of time, energy, focus, and money it's going to take to create the outcomes that I projected. So first you got to answer questions. Then you got to forecast outcomes. Then you got to have a meeting to see if it's realistic and decide how much time, energy, focus, and money to create that outcome is. And then you can decide. Do right. I want X for X? But I didn't even know the answer to the questions, and I'm already saying yes. We all do that. So ask the questions, create the forecast and the outcome of what you're going to drive, and then in your mind figure out the time, energy, focus, and money. We never look at the budget of what we have to spend to do it, but spend not only money but time, energy, and focus. Um, and you got to quantify that. And then the last piece before you actually say that three-letter word that's <laughs> dangerous um, is you got to decide what you have to stop. You can't just add more. If you add that, what are you saying no to? And you got to, I would write that down and say, I'm saying no to uh, the walk with my wife uh, every morning because now I need another hour. I'm saying no to going to see my son's soccer practice. I'm saying no to my, my uh, nap at lunchtime. I'm saying no to a meeting. I'm saying there's something but you want to consciously say no to it versus uh, be totally not self-aware that you're exchanging it. It's a trade-off. And that will bring so much power and meaningful uh, if you follow that kind of process. So, and then, and no, I don't, and no, I wish I did that every time. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I, but I did start doing that kind of framework is really just not saying yes at the exact time you're asked because my instinct is I get excited. I'll say, yeah, so if I ask questions, do the forecast, allocate resource, and then decide if I want to. What I didn't do is the fourth step, which is, what am I going to stop? Because that's uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, and in all yeah. transparency, uh, that's the piece that I, I need to add more often. 
What am I going to stop? And the one question that comes up for me is you're asking yourself the question, does this align with my core values and does this align with my three things for the year? If you have four, like. Huge. That, that and, should be in the beginning. Like a part yeah. of the questions you can ask yourself. Like you have questions for whatever opportunity that is brought to you. But I like what Cliff said. You add questions to yourself. Does it align my core values? And is it going to interfere with the three major things I'm going to do this year? That's that's huge. Because that could be like your first question. Then that will save you so much time. Because as I'm going through that process with you, I'm like, holy cow, if I'm doing that on all my decisions, big decisions, that's totally valuable. But if you just ask that one question, does this align with my core values? Then you're done with that. You're like, no. Nope. 80% of the stuff before you have to do that. That yeah. exercise. That's huge. I, I, I would say that would be a smart first step and then uh, and then proceed down the line of these other steps, especially something big. We're not talking like, should I have a, a <laughs> protein shake or a below meal? You're not going to go through. OK, what questions do I have? <laughs> this is like something that affects your, your life, your career, your income, your business, your family. You know, you want to spend a moment on it. Awesome. awesome. I think that's good insight. Hopefully you guys take away some juice there and uh, we'd love to hear some impact on uh, reach out to one of us. If, if you, uh, if it makes an impact to your life, I love to hear stories around implementation of these types of behaviors because I know they changed my life in many ways and I hope it impacts you know, uh, your life as well. Yeah, they're de they definitely, it's super important. And I think one of the things is, and Joe and I talked about it. So the two big things, like for me, takeaways on this, it's either a hell yes or a no or a not yet. And so that's kind of my process. Like if I'm like, oh yeah, hell yes. Then I go through the process, like you talked about Joe, of like this and this and this. And then if it's a no, then it's just a no. And then if it's a not yet, I have a parking lot where I put all my cool ideas that are just not ready yet. And so... And then the other thing is the 80-20 rule, which we'll dive into next time. We'll dive into the 80-20 rule a bit more as far as we talked a little bit about that, but we'll dive into that next time, the three types of work, um, and then how to create and how to utilize time most effectively that aligns and creates your aligned life. Because that's really why Joe and I are doing this is we want to help you create an aligned practice that then leads to an aligned life. So, Right on. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you. Great. Appreciate your genius. Great session, man. For opportunities to build your dream practice, presented by Dr. Fisher, reach out to Align Life Centers for Natural Health at AlignLifeOpportunity.com.